are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, January 10th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure real quick to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds, and it's all for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. I hope everyone is off to a good Monday here so far. I know nobody likes Mondays, uh, but hopefully everyone is off to a good start here this week. Uh, and before we even get into Chicago Blackhawks news on the show, folks, I gotta first say, uh, congratulations to the Chicago Bears, because they finally did it. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace are officially out with the Bears organization as of this morning. It's about damn time. I know the city of Chicago and Bears fans around the world are going to be rejoicing over this decision. They're going to be ecstatic over these two buffoons finally being gone. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace both officially fired by the Chicago Bears this morning. It was D-Day across the NFL, and the Bears finally made the right decision. Now, that's a good way to start your week, folks. But getting into Blackhawks stuff now on the show today, uh, I will go over the Blackhawks' incredible 2-1 to upset victory over the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday with Marc-Andre Fleury leading the way in his first start back in Vegas. I'll also go over everything from the Blackhawks' practice this morning as the team hits the ice in Columbus. And then to wrap things up, per usual here to start off the week will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But getting into that 2-1 to upset victory by the Hawks over the Vegas Golden Knights this weekend, folks. Ugh. Hockey is just, it never fails to prove that it's a weird and wacky sport. Because if you go back to uh, Thursday against Arizona, and actually you can go back even further to last Tuesday's game against the Colorado Avalanche, because in both of those games last week, if you watch the game, you know, the Hawks were right there with both of those teams, and analytically, um, they were probably the team that deserved to win in that scenario in both of those contests. And more impressively, in that second and third period against the Avalanche, you know, there's nothing really all that impressive about what the Hawks did against Arizona. They did probably uh, deserve to fare better, but what, what was the most impressive about those two outings? Um, was the uh, second and third period against the Colorado Avalanche. The Hawks were the better team in those two periods against a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, you know, Colorado did come with an impressive surge to tie the game in that third period, but but overall, I mean, 
the Hawks, they hung in there with one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire NHL. They were right there, and they played really well. They came with a very good fight after a pretty terrible opening 20 minutes. Just unfortunately came out on the wrong end of the final outcome in overtime after a crazy goal from Kale McCarr, one of uh, probably, uh, I'm going to have to imagine that's going to be in the top 10 goals by the NHL at the end of the year and probably is going to be on highlights for a very long time to come. But but even in that disastrous loss to the Coyotes on Thursday, it wasn't like it was a dreadful performance for the Hawks, you know. Um, they weren't terrible. They just definitely weren't at their best, especially in the special teams department. And, you know, against anyone in the NHL, if you don't put up your best fight, you can get beat. It doesn't matter who you're going up against. Um, but what's kind of ironic about all of this is that uh, the Blackhawks, if you watch that game on Saturday night, uh, I think most of us would probably agree that Vegas was the better team. You know, they were playing with the puck more. They were the team that was creating a majority of the scoring chances. Um, Again, I don't think the Blackhawks were terrible. I just thought they were getting outplayed a little bit, which isn't surprising considering Vegas was uh, the top team in the Western Conference heading into that game. But it's funny how this just wound up being, uh, you know, the game that the Blackhawks won, the game that snapped their current losing streak. Like, hockey, it's just such a weird game sometimes because, again, even against the Avs, I thought the Blackhawks, they looked better They looked better that night against the Avs than they did on Saturday against the Knights. And you could probably make that same argument in the game against Arizona. Like, at 5-on-5, five five, the Blackhawks were just fine. That's not what killed them. Their penalty kill was terrible, and the power play only went 1-for-5 against, you know, a horrible special teams unit that Arizona has. That's completely unacceptable. Um, but, you know, against Vegas, just the Hawks weren't able to do a whole lot. They only finished this game with 21 shots on goal. So it was just kind of weird that this was the game uh, that wound up... Um, snapping your snapping the losing streak you know just crazy how it goes from you know one night you're losing to the worst team in the NHL and then the next you're defeating the top team in the Western Conference in their building it's just crazy how the game of hockey you know that's what Derek King said after the game he said this is exactly why it's the best sport you can never guarantee anything on any given night anyone can win um so it, it was just another example of that on Saturday uh but as expected Marc-Andre Fleury was back in net for the Hawks in his return to Vegas, the team he spent uh, four seasons with after getting taken from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the expansion draft. And we've seen a lot of cool tributes this season. You know, I was there for both Kaner's 1,000th game celebration and Fleury's 500th win. Um, But this one on Saturday that Vegas gave Fleury, it was really cool. And you could just tell how much of an impact this dude had on that city and how much he helped build the culture of Golden Knight hockey from literally the ground up. You know, he was there from the get-go and he's a huge reason why uh, that team is what it is and why the fandom around that team is what it is. Uh, Of course, he had a ton of success there in Vegas. He won the Vesna Trophy with them last season. He also helped steer that team all the way to the Stanley Cup Final in their first ever season as a franchise, which is pretty pretty crazy if you think about it, uh, with the makeup of their roster, considering that basically they were just given the throwaways from uh, the, the 30 other NHL teams. Pretty crazy that they went on to make it all the way to the final. 
Um, and, and Flurry was a huge part for that. So it, it was just obvious with that tribute and with the fans, how they were, you know, reacting to his return. It was clear he just meant a ton to that city. And even throughout the day, I kept seeing on Twitter, like, restaurants and, you know, different shops and that and whatnot, having a bunch of, like, flurry signs out front and making some, like, witty phrases with flurry in it. So, uh, just really cool overall to see the city welcome him back that way. And the video tribute was also very well done. Uh, Flower, you could see him shedding some tears on the ice while watching it. And then for, you know, after all of that, for the team to go and get him a win, it, it was just really special. Um... And like I said earlier, I don't want to make it sound like the Blackhawks didn't deserve to win this game or anything, because they did put together a pretty strong effort uh, against a really solid team. Um, it was just funny how, of course, in Flurry's return, you know, it's just weird how the world works sometimes in that way. Just after losing to frickin' Arizona on Thursday, literally the worst team in the NHL, who had just six wins and only 15 points, and we're in January. Like, six wins and 15 points nearly midway through the season. The Hawks get bested. And then to go and beat Vegas on Saturday in Flurry's return, you know, that's just hockey to a T. I just wish that the Blackhawks could, could play this consistently and not continue to take us through this roller coaster ride of emotions that, that we've been on during this chaotic first half of the regular season. It's been crazy everything we've went through as Blackhawks fans so far. Um, but one thing I definitely did want to talk about that did actually remain consistent for the Blackhawks in that game on Saturday was the first period. The opening 20 minutes, once again, were terrible. And the first periods are, are overall back to being horrendous. When Derek King first took over, the starts really were one of the biggest changes that we saw under his lead. But now, they've just sort of kind of regressed back to where they were at the beginning of the year. The Hawks have now allowed the first goal in seven of their last eight games. And, you know, clearly based on the results from those games, this isn't exactly a method of success for this Blackhawks team, especially when you can't score goals very often. You know, it's hard to be playing catch-up after being down one or two to nothing when you average like 2.3 goals per game. So, um, the first period is that they need to get a whole lot better. The lone goal that Vegas scored in this game came just five minutes into the first period. Uh, Ben Hutton snapped a shot from the point, threw a bunch of traffic, no chance really for Flurry. I don't think he ever saw it. Uh, that gave the Knights an early one to nothing lead. And after the first period, the Hawks were outshot nine to five, like just another start where they, they didn't have anything going on at all. The passing was terrible. They weren't creating any separation, weren't winning any one-on-one battles, and they spent a ton of time in their own zone. And that just definitely needs to change. If this team wants any hope uh, of getting out of this current rut that they're still in, even after finding a way to come out with a big victory over Vegas on Saturday. Uh, The second period, though, that does continue to be a strong part of the Blackhawks' game as of late. They just need to start putting those... uh, second periods together after a good first period. You know, they need to be more consistent. They can't have a dreadful first and then a good second. That's still not winding up in enough victories for this team as they need right now. Um, And it's just been a consistent theme these last three games. They've all basically been the same in a sense. Against Colorado, you know, the Hawks played terrible in the first. They got down two to nothing, but they did 
managed to tie the game later on in the second period, and they eventually uh, also took the lead for a little bit. And then against Arizona, once again, the Hawks fell behind 2-0 in the opening period, only to go on and tie the game 2-2 in the second. Uh, both those games, though, they did not, uh, they, they weren't able to come out with a win. And then on Saturday against Vegas, once again, just a couple of minutes into the second period, after falling behind 2-0 early on, they cut the deficit in half as Jujar Kara snapped home a shot on a two-on-one for his third goal of the season, also his first since uh, November 26th against the St. Louis Blues. First goal post that scary incident that he uh, had with the New York Rangers and defenseman Jacob Truba. So great to see Kara, you know, back making an impact after that, you know, really scary hit that he took up high. Uh, and this was a pretty monster game from Kara, actually. Not only did he score a goal, but he also had a team-high 10 hits in just 11 minutes of ice time. And that physicality that he provides, it's been such a nice addition to this forward group, along with his sturdy defensive play. He's not really a speedster, and it's hard for him to create much offensively, um, but he's really good at providing physicality and being sure of himself on the defensive side of things. So uh, good to see Kara chipping and um, help, help in offensively. He can do that every now and then. Good to see him come through when the Hawks needed him to in the second. And then later on in the period, the Hawks actually wound up taking the lead as Riley Stillman had a shot from the point bank in off of Vegas defender. And Dylan Strom and Patrick Kane were the ones to pick up the assist on that goal, which, by the way, was also Stillman's first of the season and second as a member of the Blackhawks. Uh, but for Strom first with that primary assist, that now gives him points in three consecutive games as well as seven overall, two goals, and five assists in his last 11. I mean, he's been just fine since getting some consistent ice time finally, especially when he gets a chance in a more offensive-minded role like we saw on Saturday when he was skating on the top line along with Patrick Kane. And speaking of Kane, he now also has points in four consecutive games, but is still without a goal since way back on December 4th. It's been over a month and 12 consecutive games for Kaner without scoring a goal, which is kind of hard to believe because he is still getting his chances. He's still playing a ton as expected, um, but he's just in the midst of one of the worst goal droughts in his entire career, I would have to imagine. Um, but with that goal, the Hawks, they took a 2-1 to one lead heading into the second intermission. Uh, and then in that third period, it, it was kind of like time really flew by despite not a whole lot of action going on. It was just like dump and chase, no retrieval, no cycles, just a whole lot of flow back and forth in transition without very many, like, scoring opportunities. It was kind of weird. Um, Flurry was tested a couple of times late in the game, but Vegas only recorded 10 shots on goal in that third period. You got to give some credit to the Hawks defensemen. Uh, I thought they did overall a really good job in this game of blocking shots. I believe as a whole, their defensemen finished with 18 total. Uh, and they also, I thought, did a really good job of having active sticks to, to break up passing lanes and also block some shots as well to make things just as easy as possible for Flower in that he wound up stopping all 10 of those shots that he saw in the third period, 30 of 31 total on the night. And the Blackhawks stunned the Golden Knights in Flurry's return back to Vegas. Quite the way for the Blackhawks to snap their six-game losing streak and earn their first victory of 2022. 
All right, there are my thoughts on the Blackhawks. Two to one upset victory over Vegas on Saturday. Coming up in just a moment, I will talk about a couple of other takeaways that I had from the win, as well as an update from the Hawks practice this morning out of Columbus. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is getting is about getting fit or even about eating healthier, then make sure that you include Built Bar in your plan because right now, you can get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. In so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have coconut almond or cookies and cream? Double chocolate or raspberry, mint brownie, or peanut butter brownie. Either way you choose, Built Bar will make it easier for you to stick to your resolution because they taste so good, you'll actually wanna eat them, unlike some other protein bars which can be chalky or, or waxy or just really not have that good of a taste. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is still good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And for a limited time offer right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15. That's one word, LOCKED in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Welcome back to Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment two here this afternoon, uh, there were a couple of other thoughts that I had from the game on Saturday that I definitely wanted to be sure to mention here on the show today. Uh, first, one big reason why I think the Hawks were able to sneak away with this 2-1 to one win over Vegas on Saturday is because uh, there weren't any special team situations at all. That's kind of another reason why I think this that or that third period kind of flew by uh, was because there wasn't any penalties called on either side. And overall, in the game, there was only one penalty called total. And that one went in the Blackhawks' favor. They weren't able to do anything with that single power play opportunity. Um, but more importantly than that, probably, is their penalty kill didn't have to hit the ice a single time. And, and while I want to give credit to the Blackhawks for not taking any penalties on Saturday. Considering how the officials only called one total, I kind of feel like they were just swallowing their whistles and really letting the boys play for most of the night. There was probably penalties that could have been called. They just decided not to in this one for whatever reasons. Um, Regardless, though, that is one thing that will definitely help out the Blackhawks, staying out of the penalty box, because their PK has been downright awful for like the past month or so now considering how there was like a a week week and a half pause there in between um or two weeks even since the black two weeks in between games for the Blackhawks there uh late in December and then in, into early January um but basically just six, since that six game losing streak of theirs and I guess now that makes their last seven games um the penalty kill has gone just 16 for 26. That's 61%. Terrible. And they're now all the way down to 26th in the NHL on the PK. It's It's been a rough stretch, to say the least. The penalty kill has killed them recently. So to not have to hit the ice a single time against Vegas on Saturday, that definitely did the Hawks a huge favor and uh, undoubtedly helped them hold on to that 2-1 to victory. 
Another thing that I wanted to be sure to mention, um, for a good chunk of Saturday's game against Vegas, Derek King rolled with a second line of Alex Dabrinkit, Jonathan Taze, and Dominic Kubelik, which, in my opinion, if you have to split up the Cat and Kane, that's how you have to do it. Because theoretically, that should be a pretty solid second line. Like, there's no reasons for that second line not to work. Dabrinkit's one of the elite snipers in the NHL. I know Johnny's overall offensive game isn't what it used to be, but he has been a lot better over these past 11 or 12 games or so where he's got 7 or 8 points, I believe. And also defensively, you know, you can always rely on him, especially at the faceoff dot. And then Dominic Kubelik, you just got to give him chances inside the top six. Like, he has the shot and the goal-scoring abilities to be a difference maker. He just hasn't been able to do it consistently this season. His shooting percentage is down like... It's like a third of what it usually is or what it has been through his first two NHL seasons, uh, which sucks. He's just not able to... It's like that one year Debrinket had a couple of years back. He just wasn't able to find the net for whatever reason. Um, but on Saturday, this second line of Debrinket, Taze, and Kubelik, they were really solid for the Hawks. Probably their best, uh, even though they weren't together for the entire game. King just started going with them a little bit more as the game went on. Um, but overall, in 6 minutes and 31 seconds of ice time together at 5-on-5, five five, those three led 5-1 to one in shots on goal. They also led 5-1 to one in scoring chances. And in uh, the Corsi metrics, it was 11-2. to two. So they were really strong. They, were, they weren't together for the entire game, but um, Brett Connolly also got some looks on the second line, I should add, uh, in his first game back from a suspension, which... I think that is a good spot for Brett Connolly. He's basically just been a pure goal scorer in the past up at the NHL level. So if you're going to play him in the lineup, you probably want to play him along goal scorers as well. Um, but, you know, considering how Taze, Kubelik, and Debrinket were really good together, that's probably going to bump Connolly down in the lineup going forward because I, I have a pretty good feeling King is going to stick with that second line in the Hawks' upcoming game tomorrow against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Also, speaking of their upcoming game against the Blue Jackets, I really expected the Blackhawks to at least hold an optional practice this morning here in Columbus. That's why I waited to get the episode out until noon, um, because I wanted to provide all the latest updates and whatnot from practice this morning. But I guess Derek King just decided to give the boys a day off today after, um, I guess it does make sense considering the travel that they've gone through recently, you know, Arizona, they went from Chicago to Arizona to Vegas. Now they got to go all the, all the way out East into Columbus They're changing time zones. Um, I guess that does make sense, but you know, this decision I think could go both ways. You know, it, it could benefit the boys, you know, by allowing them to recover a little bit more. They've had, uh, two games in their past five days, not a ton, but, um, considering how the games are crucial, you know, you want to get them relaxed and want to allow them to recover, uh, maybe even sleep it, sleep in a little bit this morning, <laughs> although I'm not sure um, if that's a thing, though, in the NHL. I don't know if sleeping in is an option. Um, but it also, you know, could mean that, well, it also definitely does mean that the Blackhawks will not be holding a practice before tomorrow's game against the Jackets. They will have a morning skate, but, you know, I highly doubt they're actually going to be trying to get a whole lot of work done considering there's a game going on just seven hours later. So uh, we'll see if this decision, you know, winds up affecting the Blackhawks or not. But I, I definitely thought it was an interesting choice uh, to give them a day off considering they are returning to Chicago tomorrow. And I believe they're going to be holding a practice or on Wednesday, excuse me, not tomorrow. I believe the Blackhawks will be holding a practice on Wednesday at 
fifth third arena, but I just thought that was a little interesting um, considering that they have an extra day here in between these two games and they have only one day in between the games between um, Columbus on Tuesday and Montreal on Thursday. Whatever, we'll have to see. Um, one thing I also definitely had to mention, though, on the show real quick, folks, um, is that Adam Boquist, of course, former Blackhawks first-round pick, uh, spoke with the media following Columbus's practice that they held this afternoon, and he told the media that uh, over Christmas, he actually went back to Chicago and spent the holidays with Alex DeBrinkett and his wife, Lindsay. I mean, come on. My heart literally melted. It was such a... Uh, heartfelt and cute little moment there between those two and just shows you uh the camaraderie that they built in Chicago both being young future superstars in the organization at the same time um so that was a a cute little moment um but to kind of change the mood up here one other interesting thing that Boquist said to the media was that um during the offseason The Blackhawks actually told him that he wouldn't be traded. And he also found out that the trade happened through a post on Instagram. The Blackhawks did not let him know. I mean, unbelievable. And it's not the first time we've heard a story like this. Not the first time we've heard Stan Bowman do this type of stuff. Kind of heard a similar situation with Artemi Panarin. Who was a superstar here in Chicago. We heard it with Corey Crawford, who was a superstar here in Chicago. And now we heard it with Adam Boquist, who the team was hopeful would be a superstar one day, but of course, went a different route with their desperate need for a number one defenseman. Unreal stuff from Stan Bowman. Like, ugh. How can you do that to a 21-year-old kid? Like, unfathomable. It's just so frustrating to hear how Stan handled all these situations. Like, When guys were on their way out of the organization, he did not let them know in any sense. He gave them no hints. Again, Artemi Panarin, that was kind of how that all came to an end. Stan told no one. Didn't even tell Joel Quenville. Went storming out of a meeting after they heard the team had traded both Panarin and Nicholas Jalmerson on the same day. I probably would have had the same reaction, except I probably would have hurt Stan Bowman. Um... And Corey Crawford talked about that same situation when his future was kind of up for grabs. The Blackhawks weren't really keeping him in the loop of what they were going to do. And it was just kind of like, oh, we're letting you go, Crow. Like there wasn't like a final meeting or anything, like no closure at all. And now we hear this from Adam Boquist. Shaking my head. Scumbag Stan Bowman. Comes back to haunt the organization again. He's out of Chicago but he continues to just throw dirt on the organization's name. And even regardless of the entire lawsuit, not not saying that it shouldn't be mentioned, it definitely should be the forefront when you talk about Stan Bowman and what he did as general manager because that trumps everything that he did well, which was also very little. But even without the lawsuit, like, Stan just proved time and time and time again that he had no respect for the players and was basically the epitome of the NHL being all about business. All right, there are some thoughts on Adam Boquist's presser with the media earlier this afternoon. Coming up in just a minute, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. 
But first, I need to talk to you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season on more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the NFL is marching into the playoffs, finally. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action here in 2022. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website and you can sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, the NBA, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports favorites. Sign up today and you'll receive a 50% 50 welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, getting into segment three today. It's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I want to answer today comes from at KaneUSAGOAT88, I love that name by the way, uh, who asked, would you bring back Flurry next year if he wants to come back? But if he doesn't, what is the biggest need to address in free agency? Well, first... I really do think the Blackhawks are going to allow Flurry to have his say in this whole process. Whatever happens, it's going to be because that's what Flurry wanted. Because it was his big decision in the first place to even suit up for the Blackhawks this year. He could have done them dirty and retired. It wouldn't have even been considering doing them dirty because that was the gamble. If Flurry got traded by Vegas, everyone knew across the NHL he wasn't sure if he was going to play. But he didn't go that route. He decided to suit up for the Blackhawks this year. He showed them respect. And being one of the most respected, if not the most respected player in the entire NHL, the Hawks, as they should, have reportedly um, will, they reportedly will allow Flurry to kind of do what he wants here. As of right now, we're not really sure what the answer is to that question. We don't know if he wants to stay in Chicago, if he wants to go elsewhere, if there's a particular spot he wants to go to. We don't know. But let's say that he does want to stay. I still think that the Hawks would have to sit him down and really talk over the current situation to just make sure he knows what he's signing up for, which likely means, you know, he'd probably get a one-year deal at his age, and probably the price tag would be much lower than what he could get elsewhere. And also, something to consider is the team in front of him will probably be going through a change as well. I have no idea exactly what's coming for the Blackhawks in the future, but I have a pretty good feeling there are going to be a lot of moving parts. And I just don't know if Fleury would want to be here during all of that. At this point in his career, I'm not sure that's what he wants. But with the situation the Blackhawks are in, that's basically what they can offer him. They're not going to break the bank for him on a one-year deal. They don't need a 38-year-old goaltender when they're not exactly in the contending process. So, there are a lot of parts to consider there. But, you know, I, I still, I have no idea what Flurry wants. 
That's the million dollar question here. What does he want to do? I'd probably guess, though, if I had to guess, I would think he probably wants one more shot at the cup. He's not getting very many. He's not getting younger. He's not going to have very many more, is what I meant to say. So, that's kind of where I personally would lean. But who knows, you know? Either way, Fleury is going to be allowed to do what he wants here in this situation. I just would have to guess he'd like one more shot at least at winning it all before he calls it a career. Um, So, we'll see what happens, but that's just the way that I would lean. As for the Hawks' biggest need in free agency, if Fleury isn't around... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the goaltender department. Will they allow Kevin Lankinen to be the full-time starter in his third NHL season, despite not really looking all that good so far here in his sophomore year? I don't know. Do they want Arvid Soderblom to be the backup already, or do they want to season him in Rockford? Those are questions, and if either of them are no, then the Hawks probably got to go get a goalie. And I don't know if they want to break the bank when there are just so many questions around this team. Do they want to lock up a goalie, or do they want to wait for someone like Soderblom to develop, or possibly Drew Comesso in the coming years? That's all going to be interesting as well. Uh, But aside from the goaltender department, I think the Hawks definitely need another skilled top six forward. Someone, I think, who has both speed and size. I think that's such a key thing the Blackhawks are missing. Their two most skilled players, Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit, not really physical, not known for winning a lot of board battles. Debrinkin's got Debrinkin and Kane both have above average speed, but they're not game breakers with their speed. Debrinkin's starting to get there. I, I've seen some improvements in that area from him, but I still think they need to be faster. They need more skill, but they also need that with size. And I know that kind of sounds like a big ask, you know, someone who's big, has skill, has speed. You know, that's it's tough to find those guys. Um, but that's kind of what they need right now, considering guys like Jonathan Taze, Dominic Kubalik, and Kirby Doc are, are really struggling to do anything offensively. Jonathan Taze has been better, but as a whole on the season, he's not providing like a top line or second line center. That's just the fact of the matter. So I think the Blackhawks are definitely going to need to make an addition there, especially because I have a feeling Dominic Kubalik might not be coming back. So I think uh, that's something they're definitely going to be looking on, looking at in the market. Uh, and I think they might also be looking for another solid, maybe second-pairing defenseman because Calvin DeHaan, um, he's probably going to be out of the picture here rather soon, I'd have to guess. I'll have a little bit more on him in just a second. Um, and Connor Murphy, honestly, has not been as good as we've needed him to be this year. When he was paired with Jake McCabe early on in the year, those two really struggled, and him and DeHaan haven't been very good either. And what's the common theme there? It's Connor Murphy. Jake McCabe has made big improvements recently, and he's now skating on the top pairing with Seth Jones. Those two have been pretty fine. And even when DeHaan was playing on that top pairing with Seth Jones, I thought those two, they were the top pairing for probably about a month there, and I thought they were playing pretty well overall and were just a good combination to kind of let Jones go do his offensive thing while Calvin DeHaan can still get back and be responsible. I thought that was a good mesh. But since he's been moved down with Connor Murphy, that tandem has not been very good. And Connor Murphy overall has not been, he has not taken the leap that we've needed him to. I think that's one of the bigger issues also with this Blackhawks team. Connor Murphy is someone we trust. We really expect him with that deal that we gave him to be a solid top four defenseman going forward. And I don't think he's lived up to the part this year. So if, you know, he's struggling, the Blackhawks may need to go add another solid top 
four guy, maybe not so much a first pairing guy, but they, they need someone who can be a little bit more reliable than he's been defensively. Either he's got to play better or the Hawks are going to have to make another ad. I would have to guess. Um, I think just another blue line ad wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for this team going forward. The second question I want to answer today on the show comes from at Captain Krami262 on Twitter, who asked simply, when does the sale start? And honestly, it, it it's probably going to be happening here rather soon. I know the trade deadline isn't until March 21st. We still got two months and some change there. Um, but I could really see the Hawks starting to make some moves here towards the end of the month. And I think the first guy that probably should go, in my opinion, is Calvin DeHaan, considering uh, his contract situation. We don't need to be paying him that money. He's a pending free agent after this year. Um, and, and we also could, you know, with the team being 12, 18, and 5, uh, it, it probably would, would be a good idea to start letting some of the younger guys down in Rockford get a little bit more NHL experience. I think it's kind of that time of the year already as sad as it is to say. So considering all of that, I just think it makes sense for Calvin DeHaan to be on the move here sometime soon. Uh, You can also make a case for Marc-Andre Fleury, of course, as I just talked about, depending on what he wants to do. Um, And I think guys like uh, Henrik Borgstrom and Dominic Kubalik also could be trade targets for other teams. Borgstrom still has two years left at a pretty... cheap deal considering he's still very young in his career uh, and then Dominic Kubelik will be a free agent after the season so if the Blackhawks aren't interested in having him going forward it would only make sense to have him on the move uh, and Ryan Carpenter's also kind of in that same boat he's on an expiring deal cheap contract only a million bucks um, doesn't really make sense to keep him for the rest of the of the year unless they want him here long term which I don't really know if they do uh, and someone else to consider who could be traded is maybe even a guy like Brett Connolly if the Blackhawks would be willing to retain some of that salary because no one's going to pay him his base contract. Um, no one would even take that on for free, I don't think. So let's face it, you know, the, the Hawks are, again, 12-18-5. They've lost, what's that, 23 of 35 games this season. Uh, and at the moment, they're still 10 points back of a playoff spot, and they got five teams ahead of them. It's a pretty good Western Conference this year, and the Hawks are still also six points back of the next team ahead of them in the standings in the Vancouver Canucks. So the odds are just not in their favor, to say the least. So it it would make a whole lot of sense to start making some moves here rather soon because it's pretty clear through 35 games, for whatever reasons, I still don't really know why, but this team is just having a hard time being competitive and with their play as of late, they've also kind of fallen back into being a bad team once again after they showed some real solid progress early on in Derrick King's tenure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Monday, January 10th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Locked On Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, 
So be sure to go and check out Lockdown Bets right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2. Or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also uh, hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode... Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.